Good morning. All right, we'll do that again. And we'll give it all. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Are we using this one for the interviews, I'm guessing? Okay, cool. All right. Good to be with you this morning. If you're here last week, I'm not going to sing anything this morning. <laughs> and for those of you who were here, who is an inside joke? Um, today, as you saw in the video, we have spent the last um, six weeks or so, six and a half weeks, doing what we call the 50-day adventure. Some of us are wearing these little bracelets to remind us um, to be intentionally focusing on our relationships with God. Today is our celebration. Uh, if you'll see, if you've got an outline or a little, your program at the top in little teeny print, it says we're going to celebrate the adventure. Uh, but we don't want to just celebrate these last 50 days, okay? Um, but what we'd like to celebrate today, a lot of what Patrick um, and Rachel were just singing, is all that he's done for us all that he's done for us to enable us to be on this adventure for a lifetime because um, it's not about 50 days, that's for sure. Hopefully you've had some taste of it. But So I want to share with you Dave's heart, Dave Nelson's heart on this when he first came up with this idea because I thought this was so powerful. I kind of found it in some old notes of why did we bother to do this for 50 days? Why do we try to encourage people to step out in different ways? areas of their relationship with God and areas of their life. And this is what Dave said. He said, we go on this 50-day adventure because we believe with all our hearts that knowing Jesus Christ personally is life. It's not a way of life. We believe with all our hearts that knowing Jesus is life and everything else, yeah, everything else pales in comparison Jesus himself said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, you know, that you would know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And that's what we're all about. You've probably heard that a lot here lately. So anyways, I know personally that there are a lot of us that did not um, maybe participate in this adventure. Uh, please don't feel guilty if you didn't grab a wristband and you didn't get online and you didn't find out your weak, weak areas and strong areas and set off to do something. Don't feel bad about that. You have the rest of your life to do that. But we also know that there's a lot of people who did, okay? And some people took just one little baby step in one area. Maybe somebody in this room even thought, I'm going to like really read my Bible for the first time. Maybe some of you decided to serve in a new way. Whatever that is, we know some people took baby steps. Some of you maybe took a step of obedience that God's been nagging you about for a long time and you use this time to do it. I mean, that would be me. Um, my weak area when I did the assessment was serving, which for some people, they were kind of surprised by that because they see me around her all the time. So they think, oh, she's serving. She's serving. She's serving. Look at she's serving, serving, serving. But where nobody's looking, which is at my home in holiday, I'm not a very good servant. And my husband can attest to that because he's the non-recipient of my non-serving. So the last 50 days, I, you know, did my best. I didn't have anybody hold me accountable because I didn't want to have to do that much, quite honestly, but just on some smaller things. And maybe he noticed, maybe he didn't. But what I noticed was God really met me there and wanted to work in that part of my heart. So it was not a real pleasant thing, but it was a good thing. Anyways, no matter what kind of step you took, whether it was a little one, big one, whatever it was, today we're here to celebrate the fact that every step that we take is a reason to celebrate. Because we don't celebrate what we do. We don't celebrate the progress we've made. What we celebrate is Jesus. 
Okay? There's a great verse in the Bible, Philippians 4.4. If you know it, you can say it with me. It's real teeny. It just says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Pretty simple. So what we want to celebrate here today is him and that he's the reason that we would even do these things, but even more. So we're going to get into that. Um, I'm going to start with prayer, and then mostly we're going to be looking at a passage, a chunk of scripture out of Philippians. It'll be up on that screen most of our time together. Um, But let's just start with prayer. Um, Papa, I do thank you so much for... um, (laughs) I thank you so much for meeting us in this place this morning. I thank you for the Bible, for for your word. I believe with all my heart that it's true. Uh, And I just ask that you would uh, keep me from myself today. and that our time together would be pleasing to you above all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and take a look at this first uh, passage. It's out of Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. I'm just going to read the first few verses when that gets up on the screen. And it says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So I'm going to feel a little bit more like a Baptist here than a K2 person, just because that's kind of how I go into the Bible. And I just want to unpack a little bit of this for you. Maybe it's new, maybe it's not. If it's not new to you, go ahead and take a rest. If it's new to you, take some notes maybe. Um, I just want to focus on these few little words in verse five where Paul says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day, Um, because every single one of us in this room has already either had or will have a first day with God. Okay. History tells us, if you want to make note of this in the book of Acts chapter 16, you can get all the backstory on Paul and his relationship with these people that, that he's writing this letter to at Philippi. Um, the first days here at K2 were started by like 35 people who came from Michigan. You can get the history of all this on our website, so I'm not going to go into all the details. Who was here for the very first service? Anybody in this room? Gosh, that's so awesome that there's just a handful. Either they've all left our church. <laughs> no, they haven't. But it's so nice to see so many new people keep coming here. So this church was started with 35 people who had a vision to come to Salt Lake City and start a church. And here we are. Paul and three of his friends, he only had three, not 35, went to a a region of Eastern Europe that they didn't even really want to go to, but felt compelled that they had to go there. They went and there was no place for them to even preach. Okay. When, when K2 started this building, this is rented by the rock church. We rent this sort of from the rock. They let us use their building. Well, Paul sort of did the same kind of thing. He would go in to a town and he'd look for a synagogue. And he would preach at the synagogue. In order to do that, to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 men who were Jewish. There weren't 10 men in the whole town that were Jewish, so there was no synagogue. But there were women. There was a group of women who prayed. Let's hear it for the ladies who prayed. There were a group of women who prayed down by the river. Paul thought, good enough, I'm going to go talk to them about Jesus. They must be God-fearing people. And he did. And the first convert, we would call her, the first person who ever joined the church in Philippi was a woman named Lydia. 
And Lydia was a businesswoman. And I want to share with you what Acts chapter 16, verse 4 says about Lydia and her first day, okay, of being a partner with Paul. Little simple line. It says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. So if you're a Christ follower in this room today, take just a minute and see if you can remember when he opened your heart. You probably will never forget it. Could have been a whole series of days, months, years, whatever. But it was a powerful thing because it had nothing to do with you or nothing to do with me, nothing to do with Lydia. It was God. He opened her heart, okay? That's why Paul, if we can get those verses back up there, why Paul says, he goes on in in verse 6 that we just read, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, if you're a Christ follower, I have great news if you've forgotten. He already began a good work in you. And the next step is he says he's going he's gonna to keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it, okay? So um, moving on. All right, so we know he began the work. He wooed you. He, he went after you. You've, you responded to him. Uh, and if you're here today and you're not yet a Christ follower, if you're just checking it out, and you may not agree with my theology on this, but I think he's already working in you or you wouldn't be here. Even if a friend dragged you here and there are heel marks in the parking lot. <laughs> we love those heel marks in the parking lot. I firmly believe that if you're in this room, he's already beginning to work in you. And I'm so excited about that because that's a good thing. It's a good thing, okay? All right. Uh, I'm going to like blitz through some of this stuff that I thought was so important when I wrote this down. And now I'm not so sure which is good. Um, I'm going to read a passage that's not up here, okay, out of Colossians, uh, where Paul says, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live in him, okay? The only way any of us, including Lydia, received Jesus as Lord was by faith. That's what we always say, received by faith. That's how we're called to continue to live in him every day, is by faith. And that requires steps, Steps of faith. So hopefully some of the steps that you guys took during this 50-day adventure where you stepped out, maybe you heard something, a little nudge from God. Oh, I need to serve in this way. That's a step of faith, okay? That means you're living in faith. Could seem little, but, but that's, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate every single one of those steps, right? Because he who began the good work in you, he will keep doing it in you, but you can demonstrate it by the steps that you take. All right. I love that God is a demonstrative God and we're made like him and he likes for us to demonstrate our love to him. Okay. There's a passage in Romans chapter five, eight. Again, it's not up there. Um, and I'm going to read it out of the message translation because I love it so much. Um, in, in the new international version, which we usually use here, it says that God demonstrates his love in this, that Jesus Christ died for us. In the message, it says, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him. So each step that we take in response to that love is sort of our public display of affection, you know, Um, even if we do it when nobody's looking because there's three that are looking, right? There's the father, there's the son, there's the spirit that are looking and see that when we take these steps of faith, whether we step into God's word, we step out in prayer, we step out to serve, whatever it is, that we are demonstrating that we believe he's 
he's doing a work in us and we love him for that. All right. So I want to remind you though, that the things we do are evidence of the work that God's done in us. Okay. Um, they don't earn us anything. They just, they're just a demonstration. And I kind of been hanging out with some people who really jumped into this adventure, some in a real big way, um, some in more subtle ways. And I'm going to bring them up, and we're just going to sit here and share with you what their adventure was like so you can celebrate with them the steps that they took and the way God showed up for them during the adventure. So the first person that's going to come and be with us is my good friend, and I don't just say that. She really is. One of my best friends, Terry Duncan. You can welcome Terry. And Terry used to be around here a lot, but she's wearing a red coat. She's a rebel or whatever, but she's gone out south. She's left us and gone out south, which breaks my heart, but I still get to see her a lot. And um, she's going to share with us what her adventure is like. And I'm really sorry about the backs. I was hoping we wouldn't be this way, but sorry. <laughs> I should have put something on there like, I love you. And then you'd be okay. So, Terry, would you share with us just to, to start, um, when you did the assessment, what area turned up to be your area of needing to work? Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. That's why we have a tech team. I can't remember all these things. <laughs> yes. Can you guys hear me? Don't touch anything. Hello. Oh. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> okay, so what area showed up on your assessment? Well, um, <clears throat> the area that was, as, as Andy had said, the lackey in my assessment, mm -hmm. way down low, was the evangelism. Oh. And I already knew that, of course, because, uh, you know, I, I've been spending a lot of time in his word, a lot of time serving, a lot of time regular practices, all the other areas. I was very... You know, I knew that I was doing well, but I knew I was not good in the evangelism, yeah. evangelism category. So what steps, what, what step did you take? Well, the first thing I did was I met with a girlfriend of mine, um, and we discovered that uh, over, over dinner that we were both uh, low in the same category. So we announced each other, our running partners, our accountability partners, and then we advised a plan. Um, we started talking about ways that we could reach out to the community, particularly that's not Christian. And uh, what we came up with was um, uh, she has some contacts at a, a hospice home up in the Ogden area. And um, there are many people who live there who are not necessarily Christians. But in their at their, the end of their lives. And so we felt it was critical. We really felt a strong calling to go there and, and to just be with these people and to get to know them and to share Christ's love with them. And so the first day that we went up there, um, we, we just began by um, just sitting and talking with some of the, some of the people who live there, and, and that was nice. And then we, one of the women was in her room, in her bed, because she was at the end of her days and she really wanted to go um, and so we asked the people who work there the very wonderful hospice caregivers if we could go into her room and, and pray with her pray over her and they said yes and two of them joined us and uh, we went in there and we began to pray and um, 
partway through the prayer, we, we asked this, this woman, her name is Ruth, she's, she's 92. We asked her if she knew that Jesus loves her, and she said yes. And we asked her if she was ready to go to him, and she said yes. And so we continued to pray that he would, he would be there with open arms waiting for her. Well, during this prayer, it became really clear to us that one of the caregivers that's there was ex- just p- extremely moved by these prayers that we were praying over this woman. She is not a Christian, but she began to cry and sob during the time that we were praying for Ruth. And um, so um, God spoke to us and said that, you know, Ruth isn't really the one who needs the prayer right now. It's this other young woman. And so we um, stepped out of Ruth's room, and we went to we went to her, and we said, you know, we, we just feel like like you need prayer. Can we pray with you? And she said yes. And we asked her what was wrong, and she said that she had just been diagnosed with with cancer. And um, so we we prayed with her. And unfortunately, I you know I don't know, I, I haven't been in touch with her since my friend has so i'm not certain you know what kind of an impact that made in her life but i can tell you that i knew that god met us there that day and that she was the one that we needed to pray for and uh she she went was supposed to go back to the doctor and we asked her that if she had bad news that she needed to call us right away so that we could continue to pray for her and we haven't gotten bad news. So I'm, I'm just going to, you know, my, my faith is that he has healed her. And, and I told her that. I said, you know, I believe that he's healed you. So, um, and I shared some of my stories with her when I was healed. So it was, I had no doubt that, that he was there in that room with us that day. And that it was, that we were there for her. And it was only one person. But I believe that if we just change the world one person at a time, that at least for me, I'm doing my part. Mm, that's awesome. Thanks, Terry. Give me that. Give me a hug. <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. You know, it's so interesting. She felt like God was calling her to share the gospel. Charlie, where are you? you want to come on up? And, and to go to a hospice center that just, you know, why would God send you to a hospice place, really? And then it turns out with such a gift, such a surprise. This is Charlie Oliver. Hello. And for those of you who know Charlie, or if you don't know Charlie, Charlie, uh, obviously, he's our light guy this morning and doing a fabulous job. Don't we look you good? You can see me, right? You can That's see him. Good. Can you see I him? Was, it's good. I was wondering about that. But he works uh, with the Encounter Ministry, which are the 20s and 30s. So if you're in that age group and you want to meet people, Charlie's your guy. He'll be here after the service, probably right around that corner there. There about, yeah. There about. So tell us, what area showed up on your assessment? So I, um, I took the assessment, and everything was pretty much steady except for um, serving. And serving was like one rung below everything else. And so I'm like, well, really, I could probably focus on just about anything, but serving is the lowest. So perhaps I should probably try to focus on that. And I didn't really know what exactly I should do in that area. I was thinking, okay, so... The only thing that I can definitely nail down that I'm not really focusing anything on is compassion, compassion ministry and whatnot. And that was the, that was the initial, my initial thought. And 
Uh, at the time, I was actually focusing on a lot of other things. I was focusing on like regular practices, and I was focusing on knowledge, and I was focusing on all these different things at the time. And so I really saw that I was working in those areas already, but I didn't want to exactly step away from any of those areas to switch over to like a compassion situation. And so I, I was really torn between what I wanted to do and what I thought I should be doing. And when it came down to it, I was actually serving in, in a, a different areas, um, just not compassion specifically. And so the only night that I really had available was one night of the week, which was um, Monday night. So I'm like, okay, well, I continually made, tried to make the commitment to do something on a Monday night. And compassion really, I don't believe, was what I was needing to actually do. I don't think that was what God was like, trying to get out of me when it was serving. It was just like deductive reasoning. I was like, okay, so I've got this. What am I missing out on? This is what I need to fill it up with. Not really. That, that wasn't really the case. That It wasn't really the situation that I needed to actually focus on. Um, and so, you know, I continued focusing on those other areas at the time and was really struggling with the whole, like, I'm, serv I'm serving in all these different ways, so how do I figure this out? Um, I actually, so as she said, I'm leader of one of the, uh, one of the leaders of Encounter, which is a 20s and 30s ministry here. And I uh, also do lights here and um, a few other odd jobs here and there. And so what I actually looked at was, so what's my heart in this? I'm, I'm leading this group. And, and I've always looked at leading as a situation where you're really just serving those people that come there. And I, you know, I've, I've kind of thought that, you know, in throughout the whole, like, time that I've done that, done leadership opportunities or whatever. But I've never really focused on it very much. And so, like, I, I would – and then I found myself bringing it up more and more in the past, like, three to four weeks. We had this little retreat where, like, the, the leaders of us – leaders of Encounter got together, and we started sitting down, and we're like, what are the – different uh, important things that you bring to the table and what are the important things that you uh, believe is necessary to be uh, a leader of this group. And serving was, I actually wrote down serving. And it actually didn't hit me until Mary call, uh, contacted me on uh, Thursday and she said, so you know, uh, kind of get thinking about this and I'd like to ask you a few questions about how your 50-day ad adventure went. And so when it came down to it, I didn't realize it until I was driving here that night for Encounter. At 6.30, it is, you know, um, Thursday nights, um, 6.30, yeah. Uh, so a little commercial there. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So I, uh, I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so what am I going to tell Mary? <laughs> At this point, I thought about my 50-day adventure. I was, I was supposed to focus on this one thing. I didn't focus on it. All right, how do I explain this and make it, like, any way valuable to anybody? And I realized that, yes, I'm actually focusing on serving. And serving is what I'm here to do, and that's what I'm here for. And, like, it was just like a heart change. It was that connection that was being made between the two that I didn't ever realize was actually there. Um, I had always brought it up, but I never actually brought it up that that's part of the adventure with Christ. And that is the adventure that I'm called and here to do and so yeah and that's, that's cool. pretty much what it came down to that's cool did you, i mean during that time just in your heart change do you feel like you met god in a new way or in a different way than you had before yeah 
because that's exactly what Paul was doing in in all of this. Like he went to talk to Lydia to serve her to 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 make that connection between her and Christ, and so that she would encounter him through that. And it wasn't just a situation where he wanted to lead a church or wanted to be the guy to start a church and he wanted to start this ministry or whatever, but he actually wanted to serve her through that. It was all about her getting to Christ and not about him getting to, getting more out of Christ or getting more fame or prestige. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's what I believe that um, the epitome of leadership is. And so it's just really where God met me in that. I didn't, I don't think I would have made that connection had I not realized that that's what Jesus was doing the entire time he was here. And so it's just, that's just how I encountered Jesus that's on the cool. 50 day adventure. That's awesome. Thanks, Charlie. Right. You're great. Thanks a lot. Last but not least, another good friend. This is Wendy Shelton. Wendy, I call Wendy the queen of connections. So if anyone feels a nudge, today and wants to be part of our amazing connections team talk to this lady because she's incredible so my dear how was your assessment um i i did do the assessment and my running partner did the assessment and we did meet and talk about it but um when i talked to mary this week i said my life has been a 50-day adventure this last 50 days um specifically in the area of relationship but it the more I thought about it and, and God showed me, especially this last two weeks, um, it turned out different, of course, than what I thought it would be or what I wanted it to be, which typically happens. So um, this weekend, I actually pulled up the resources on relationships and found a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. Um, a lot of things that are on the list for experiences I'm already doing. Um, but there were two particular messages that I reviewed again, and there were two things that stuck out. Um, one thing that was mentioned was who are we making our gifts available to? And also our resources are not for us alone. And those really struck a chord with me. Um, for those of you who know me, um, it's been almost exactly 50 days ago that I had to make, um, one of the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make and put my mom into long-term care. And I was completely overwhelmed. Um, I have one sibling who lives in a different state and she didn't come to help. And... Um, well, we don't have enough time for me to talk about um, all of the people that, are, that have come along beside me in those 50 days, but um, he just has made it so crystal clear that, that I wasn't in it alone. And for me, as a single person, relationship usually means that I would ask for um, maybe a couple new girlfriends to go do fun things with or, you know, praying for a partner because I'd like to get remarried again. But what he really wanted me to understand and put me in a difficult place uh, was so that I could understand what relationship is really about and how important it is um, to have community. So <laughs> how did he show up? Oh, my goodness. Um, he showed up in um, – I'm more of a visual person, so I'll, God will show up in – maybe pictures in my mind or uh, certainly with people. Um, and he showed up um, in people like Carmen A and Angie who go and visit my mom. Um, they were there on Thanksgiving morning. And the last time I looked at them and I said, you guys have no idea how much that means to me. She looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, well, we love your mom. Or, you know, Heidi Townsend taking time out of her day to help 
make me move my mom again because she likes my mom or Bonnie showing up and going to my mom's place to do her hair because she loves my mom. <laughs> um, I just am constantly surrounded by people who, who uh, without me even asking, um, do things like that for me or people like you uh, going with me. The first time I had to go and look at that facility because I couldn't do it alone. And he's constantly showing up, bringing me people to come alongside me to do that without me even asking. Not what you expected. Absolutely not. not <laughs> so if you had to say anything to these folks, if, if relationship, if that was maybe kind of low on their assessment or an area they struggle with, you know, a lot of times we think community here is just get into a small group, mm-hmm. uh, get on a serving team, because we do push those things. I think what I'm hearing Wendy say is, boy, there's something else. There's, there's another piece uh, of relationship. There is, and um, I, you know, I joked with Dave one day. They did a series, or they were really promoting community last year at some point, and I said, I just got really kind of sarcastic about it and bitter. Well, yeah, you know, I'm on connections. I serve. I'm doing all these things. The, uh, but, but what really was evident to me is that what community really means is um, coming alongside someone when, when they're going through a hard time like that. So if you're trying to figure out what it is that you, that you are wanting to do or getting involved with, um, and, and, it, and don't always wait for people to ask for help. I'm, I was not a good person at asking for help. So when people call me uh, and say, I have time, what, what do you need me to do? Or they just show up and visit my mom. <laughs> or they ask me how she's doing and, and what does she need this particular week. It, it, I think sometimes we try to make it so complicated mm-hmm. where it's just who are we making our gifts available to? People that you are in church with and in community with. Yeah. So just be open. Just showing up just and be helping open. someone, just okay. coming alongside yeah. you know, and holding my hand for an hour while I have to walk through a long-term care facility. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was good. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. Good stuff. He's back here. You know, the, these steps often just flow right out of our lives. It's not, it's not rocket science and it's not heavy. Um, it's really not even heavy in, like spirituality. I mean, you can't really separate taking these steps of faith and growing in your relationship with God from just your daily lives, which is, I think, Paul's whole point when he was talking to the Philippians. Um, let's just move into this next section and then we'll, we'll wrap it up, Okay. Um, if we can have the, the passages up again from Philippians. Um, you know, Paul says, uh, he, there's a little section in here, uh, in, if we can look at verses 7 and 8, where he says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. And if you don't know a lot about Paul, he spent some prison, he did some prison time. <laughs> Um, I love this. So he says, all of you share in God's grace with me. That's what I love about those three people right there. And others of you that I could just name in this room that I know well enough to say, man, you guys share in God's grace with me. And I love it. Paul says, you know, God can testify how I long for all of you with all the, you know, just the affection of Christ Jesus. It doesn't say I, you know, I love you like Jesus loves you. He actually loves them with Jesus' own love which is really an amazing thing that happens when we all come together and start stepping out in faith and growing in our relationship with God. We begin to really love each other with something that we can't, we can't create, we can't manufacture. And I think that's what he means by that uh, affection of Christ Jesus. 
Um, but we're going to look at the, the last three verses. And this is Paul's prayer. Because we really have a prayer for all of you as you continue on, if you've already started this 50-day adventure and you continue on, or if you haven't at all and you want to kick it off, okay? And so we're going to look at Paul's prayer in verses 9 to 11. And he says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And all I want to look at in those passages is that last part that says that his desire, his prayer was that they would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want to talk about what fruit of righteousness is because... um, um, just the culture that we live in uh, here in Utah, but also just the American culture, we're pretty, um, uh, we, we like to measure everything. And we like to see, we're very produ- productive. We're productive. We're going to produce something and we're going to consume it. But the fruit of righteousness that Paul's talking about here doesn't mean going around and making decisions to choose the right thing to do so that you will become righteous. And I just want to make that really clear, Okay. There's nothing you can do that will make you righteous. The Bible says that the righteousness you have when you're in a relationship with Jesus is given to you. He makes us righteous. So the fruit of righteousness that Paul's talking about, he's not saying, okay, guys, get out there and crank out some fruit so I know you're righteous. No, he's saying this is a righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You're designed for this. You're designed to bear out good fruit in your life and the steps that we take i mean this is so awesome i I just thinking of terry here you know she took a step of faith and went and did this really kind of strange thing when you think about it i'm going to go evangelize to people in a hospice place i mean be honest how many of you really think about old people very often you know i do because my mother's 93 so i kind of have to think about her every day but we tend not to even in churches we tend to minister to the kids and the teenagers and we we forget that the people who have their hand on the doorknob of eternity you know still need to hear about jesus and i love that terry steps out and does that and what does he do he bears this other fruit that she never would have seen in this woman that's working there just kind of showed up because she was obedient and did what he asked her to do okay so what you need to remember is God hates religious activity. So if, you want, if you're trying to do any of these things, read, read your Bible, pray, serve, uh, do the stuff that Charlie did, even enter into a community like Wendy's talking about, and you're doing that because it's a religious activity, just don't, don't, don't worry about it. God doesn't like that. He really hates religious activity. What he loves is people who have faith. And so if these things that you're doing are steps of faith, and demonstrate that you really love him and believe in him. He loves that. He loves that. But once again, you don't earn anything. You, I mean, you really don't. You don't earn anything for doing all this stuff from the adventure. But what he'll give you is what he gave these three guys. He's going to show up. You know, he's going to show up in a time when you're sitting all by yourself reading your Bible. He's going to show up when you're serving somebody. And that's when you get to celebrate. It's like, oh my gosh, I took a step and I get to celebrate it. All right. So bottom line, 
is that he began a work in each of us if we know Jesus. He's continuing that. He gives us an opportunity to go ahead and express it, to demonstrate that he's working in our lives. And we grow, the end of verse 11, if it's still up there, right? Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We grow for his glory. Everything Jesus did, everything he did, brought glory to his father. And he was a fully human being. Okay, he didn't have the God card. He didn't pull it out every once in a while. Oh, hey, I need to feed these 5,000. <laughs> pull out my God card. Oh, I want to walk on water. I think it'll be God now. No, he was a human being the whole time he was here. And everything he did brought glory to the Father. That tells me that every single one of us in this room who is a Christ follower can do the same if we will just let him change us to become more like him. We can do the same. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it's not going to be up there. I'm just going to read it. He just says that we all reflect the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing glory. just gets bigger and better and more glorious all the time as we continue on and step out, take these little steps to be in a relationship with him. Okay, and it says we're being transformed. That's passive, guys, right? Remember that from English grammar and all that? It doesn't say, and you, you know, we, we all reflect the Lord's glory and we're transforming ourselves into his likeness. We are not. He is transforming us and he's doing it with ever-increasing glory and it comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says, hey, if you're gonna live in the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. Take those steps. Listen, Terry listened, Wendy listened, Charlie listened, they listened. So I'm hoping that some of you had that experience and you can celebrate that, that you actually heard God say a little something to you in these last 50 days. All right, last thing, there is no, there's no easy way, there's no shortcut. This 50-day adventure, like we said, is not really 50 days. It's, once you become a Christ follower, it's forever. And it doesn't always feel, I mean, these guys have some great stories to tell. You know, but we, we often don't live in that place of those great stories. You know, that's one. How many times did you go up, let's say, to be twice? Okay, so you went up twice, okay, and you've been praying with Penny on this thing, and you meet one woman, okay? Um, that's, that's a high. For the next six months, Terry might not meet another person that would be that receptive, okay? Because we don't live on those mountaintops. We kind of live uh, in just in the everyday life. I've got a quote here from Oswald Chambers. Um, you know, I'm a, fir- I'm a firm believer in being in God's word as often as you can be in it. And if just picking up the Bible is hard for you, sometimes a devotional can be a really good thing. So I'm going to do a commercial for this because if there's only one devotional that I think everybody should be reading, it's, it's one written by this man, Oswald Chambers. It's called My Utmost for His Highest. You might want to write that down. Uh, or if not, you can ask me later. And I've been doing it off and on since 1984. And I'll do it one year, and then I won't do it for a couple, then I'll do it again. And every time I do it, God meets me there in a deeper way in in his word. And this is what Oswald says. Um, We have all experienced times of exaltation on the mountain when we've seen things from God's perspective and have wanted to stay there. But God will never allow us to stay there. The true test of our spiritual life is in exhibiting the power to descend from the mountain. If we only have the power to go up, something's wrong. 
We're not made for the mountains, for sunrises, or for the other beautiful attractions in life. Now, that's kind of a hard thing to hear because we live in a culture that says, all right. I mean, even here at K2, we talk a lot about the adventure, you know, but the reality is the adventure is both. It's the mountaintop, but most of the time, it's one foot in front of the other, taking a step and just being able to celebrate one step at a time following Jesus. We're not made for the mountains, for sunrises, or for the other beautiful attractions in life. Those are simply intended to be moments of inspiration. We are made for the valley and the ordinary things of life, and that's where we have to prove our stamina and strength. There's a passage in Romans 12.1 out of the message where Eugene Peterson says, when he's describing what a life of worship is like, he says, you know, take your everyday ordinary life, he says. That would be your walking around, going to school, going to work, staying home with your kids. Take that life, that everyday ordinary in the valley life and present it to God. And he says, the best thing you can do for God is to really receive what he's done for you. And so we celebrate who Jesus is in this place today and that he has done something. If you're a Christ follower, he's done something for you. He began a good work in you by pouring out his grace and he continues to work in you. And if you're not yet, he's doing something in you. I'm telling you. And if you want to know what it is, come talk to me afterwards. Maybe we'll pray together and God will tell us what he's doing. But you're here. You're here and he's working in you, all right? So mountaintop or valley, whatever it is, every single step you take, uh, is, is a celebration, all right? I think what we're going to do now is we're going to move into a time of worship. Patrick's going to come up and Rachel, and they're going to lead us. And I would like you to just ponder this, okay? I'd like you to ponder that he's done all this for us, and um, there's only one thing that he asks in return. And it's really pretty simple. The only thing he asks in return is everything. Just one word, really. He asks for everything that you are right now, everything that you hope to be, he asks for. Every dream that you have, he wants it. He wants all of you, and he has a right to it because the work that he began in you, we like to say, he he bought you. The Bible tells us that when he began that work, he bought you with a price, and the price was his son. And so all he wants is everything, okay? So think about that, if you would, maybe even if you want to just close your eyes for a minute while they, and they're going to come and start to lead us in a time of worship, um, that you could just, you could give him everything. You really can. Maybe just one step, one little step at a time. Uh, you could give him everything. <laughs>